so I came to Australia and I didn't see any like music, hip hop music here, because it was all like, like for 2008 Australia, what kind of music was popping then? Oh, Sebastian. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, the Veronica's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I really didn't really feel that. And <laughs> Why I, not? Uh, What's wrong with the Veronica's? I'm not. Is that them? I'm not. I hate you so much right, right now. now. Oh, okay. What were you singing? I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty much I came here and like, only a few people in the area made music and I I pretty much like tried to like help them make music because they weren't the greatest. But, but you at 12 were the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Champagne Breakfast Podcast. I am Sayo. You got your girl Evelyn. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to say that. You got your girl. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Ogie. And today we have a very special guest on our podcast. Drumroll, please. Introduce yourself. Hey, you should guys. do a freestyle. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> My freestyle isn't free. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Okay, I like All that. All right. Secure the bag. Hi, guys. I'm Ray. Um, I'm the moderator of Yes, But Where Are You Really From? And I make music as well. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So, Ray, we've got you here on the podcast as part of our um, series that we're doing called Dream Chasers and Hustlers. Um, which indicates you have a dream or you're mm-hmm. hustling. Um, so tell us a little bit about what your hustle slash dream slash everything that you're about is. Mm, so currently what I'm trying to do is create a community platform for people of colour growing up in Australia. Um, my main focus at the moment is my diaspora in bloom. Um, photos and stuff like that so pretty much I just interview people about who they are um their dreams they're trying to achieve their struggles they faced as a person of color mm-hmm. and the whole purpose behind it is to tell pe- people of color a story that can tell them that they aren't they aren't feeling to tell the people of color that they aren't alone and mm-hmm. the struggles they're encountering and overcoming is a group thing and hopefully from there we can build a build a community and create a culture of young intelligent people of color who are making change in in australia as a whole it's interesting because for as long as i think we've known you you have been You've done a few things. Like you've, mm. I feel like you've been on a journey yeah. trying to sort of discover what it is that you love, what it is that you're passionate about. Mm. And so what led you to where you are now? Well, to be honest, I would say up until the age of 23, my primary, my primary motivation was money. Yeah. Um, just making money Ooh. as much as possible in as quick, quickest time as possible. <laughs> yeah. Minus prison. 
prison. Yeah, yeah mine's prison. prison. <laughs> Fair. Previously, I was, pre- I was pretty much a tradie. Mm-hmm. Um, I started my own company. I purchased my own trucks and had a few contracts and had two employees and stuff. Um, but I quickly saw that to to build a career that you'll be in for 40 years, you have to be happy. Mm. You have to have purpose. You mm. have to have a passion. And from there, after closing that career business, um, I just started um, exploring poetry. And from poetry came music. And from music... Music's a passion, yeah. but to make music a career in Australia it is extremely hard. Yeah. To make money from music period is tough, mm. yeah. but to make it in Australia is much, much harder, yeah. especially because the hip-hop community here is tiny. Mm. Um, the entertainment industry here in general is pretty small compared to like America and of course, Europe yeah. and that. So um, I started studying media purely to get a comprehensive understanding of like the media industry mm-hmm. in general. And I chose to major in PR because mm-hmm. I'm really interested in the per- in the in the part media personas play in culture. Mm. It's like in America, like for example, Cardi B. Cardi B has changed how people talk. Cardi B has changed how people dress. Cardi B has changed like how just people genuinely are. And to me, it's like powerful. So my, my motivation comes from being curious as to like how the image of a person can mm. transform a whole culture. Mm. It's, it's, it's scary. <laughs> it's really? crazy. It's yeah. Wild. yeah. Yeah. Just like, what? So you're studying how to totally dominate all of us. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, pretty I just want to sort of go back a little bit. You touched on having your own business, which already yeah. is massive at yeah. your young 20, whatever it was. I started at 21. Yeah. You started at 21. Yeah. And then how did it look going from, what was an established business uh, to something so out of the blue, like you were driving trucks yeah. and then you wanted to become a poet. Yeah. It's massive. Um, it was genuinely terrifying. It's like driving a truck is boring and long, <laughs> this, that, blah, blah, blah. But it's like you put in the time and the money comes out straight away. Yeah. The creative industries, it's like the scariest part of it is that the vast majority of people don't make a profit. Mm. It's insane. It's like people can put in time and time and effort and like make the connections and make the art and put it and put it out there, but still have like a part-time job and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's really terrifying to, to be in a field where there's a huge chance that just wasting your time yeah mm. pretty much and mm. it's just like okay because 
I've like met people in their forties and fifties, and like mm. they've created a ton of music and just have blah blah blah, and they're just broke. Yeah. yeah. Just like, oh okay. So when you were doing the transition, did you like? put money aside and give yourself, say, mm. like, I'm going to give myself six months mm. to try this out. Mm. And yeah, um, I did, but I greatly underestimated how much time it takes to actually what did become you? a complete artist. And how money. did you give yourself? I gave myself a year. Um. That was two years ago. <laughs> mm. How, yeah, I started making music two years and two months ago and I'm only putting out, putting out my first track now yeah mm-hmm. it's just like um yeah but to be fair it's my um perfectionism slash procrastination mm-hmm. that's that's made me take two years to put out music because I kind of have the mentality that the process and the structure is more important than the music being put out mm. purely because like okay I could put put out a hundred tracks and if people play it and if they're like oh, okay cool sweet it's like I'm not gonna make any money off it I'm not gonna gain any connection to people purely because it's just like I'm doing quantity over quality and it's just like it there are a ton of people making music because of because of because making music isn't hard it isn't hard there are plenty of producers out there all you have to do is purchase a mic and that's it but it's like more and more people are making music and the music is more generic it's more homogenous mm. and people are hearing it and just switching off mm. um i would hate for people to switch off hearing my music yeah there there are tracks that have created that my mind sw- switches off performing it i scrap it because it's like if i'm not paying attention to it people aren't paying attention to it so it's just like i try and put as much context and content into the, every track I made um, and that's the purpose between me that's the purpose of me um, getting an education in PR mm. learning how to produce learning how to mix and master purely because it's like every part of the process speaks to the audience like people people can't comprehend all of the things they're hearing, but people still hear it. It's like if there are imperfections in the music or like mis- mix, mismatched instruments and stuff like that, people can't comprehend it, but people still hear it. And it's like music is music is meant to be played like a million times, but it's like. It's not. It is. Mm. Sorry, did you say? It's it's like it's just like um because of like streaming. Yeah. It's like people play the track constantly, constantly, and if they're constantly hearing um, mistakes, it's like their minds are switching off. Can and I, it's like yeah. Sorry, I just want to ask like how you reconcile your music philosophy because yeah. what I'm hearing is very um 
upstanding. But then I think about the music that goes viral these days yeah. and the music that is like yeah. really popping these days. These yeah. musics, the music is not ones where the person is poured over, unless if you're an established artist mm. with like a label behind you. Mm. The music that popping is not really the full like um, deep philosophical lyrics. It's the ones that sort of like produce quickly. The ones that are like cheap lyrics, cheap sort of like, and how are you reconciling your music philosophy, knowing that you want to reach these levels, mm. but staying true to yourself, knowing what is sort of, like, popping. Okay. G- generic music that's popping is popping because they um, have a complex marketing machine behind it. Um, they have promotion, they have a ton of money, um, they already have established audiences that the managers bring the music to. Um, but... The good part about the new music industry is that anybody can create a community, just like off Instagram. I just put out my first track, my first first track in the past 24 hours. Over 300 people have played it. 300 human beings have played my track throughout. It's just like 10 years ago. That's not possible. It's like, and... Because of streaming, like, people have this mentality that you have to get a million plays, this, that, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, like, you could have a hundred people here, a hundred people in Melbourne, a hundred people in Perth, a hundred people in, in Brisbane, right? As long as you can get 100 people to come to pay to see you perform, you can make money out of that. Mm. It's just like, because of like Instagram and Twitter and it's that blah, blah, blah. It's just like, as long as you have a small group of people who appreciate your music and your content, you're good. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's all about just creating that community of people that will, I guess, support you yeah. throughout. And then eventually yeah. that will get bigger and bigger and yeah. more people will come. I just wanted to go back a bit to what um, Ogi was saying about, like, how you've, like, like kind of dipped your hands in lots of things mm. in the past. Oh, right. How did you figure out that music was your passion out of all of that? Mm. Like, because th- what you were doing was completely different. It had mm. nothing to do with music. Yeah. Like, how did you all of a sudden, like, be like, oh, you know what, I'm going to start writing poetry. And for me, like, watching you do that, mm. I'm like, even though I've seen you dip your hand in stuff, I've never seen you so committed mm. to something so, mm. like this before. Yeah. Mm. So, like, where did that come from? I actually made my first track when I was 12. My first two tracks, actually, and they were pretty good. <laughs> if I do say so yeah. myself. I mean, it's like humble brat. I don't know, exactly. Um... But then I came here, and the music industry here was extremely quiet. Wait, um, pause. Where did you come from? England. Fuck what? Peckham. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I came to Australia, and I didn't see any, like, music, hip-hop music here, because it was all, like, like for 2008 Australia, what kind of music... Was popping then. Oh, Sebastian. Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, the Veronica's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I <laughs> didn't really feel that. And <laughs> Why I, not? 
What's wrong with the Ronnie Fizz? I'm not. Is that them? I'm not. I hate you so much right now. Okay. What were you singing? I'm not. I'm not gonna repeat it. Might be wrong. Um. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much. I came here and like only a few people in the area made music, and I, I pretty much like tried to like help them make music because they weren't the greatest. But, but you at twelve were the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. I was better than them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely was. I genuinely was. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. I had a couple of friends in high school who made music, and I was like, oh, try this, try that. Um, <laughs> so it's always been there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But um, I've always like been interested in like poetry and um, storytelling and that kind of stuff. And music is just an extension of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So tell us about the feeling of this whole journey mm. releasing your first track. Um, it's alright, I guess. Um, <laughs> I was not expecting that. I thought it no. was like a bit more excitement. You know? <laughs> I was massive. I felt so happy. Like, no, I was like, right. No, straight up, it's just like I'm really the track I just put out is like plug it. What's this, what's it called? Belfort. Um, you can find it on my, my Instagram. Um, I hope you guys tag me <laughs> and stuff like that. But also, what's your handle? Yeah. Ray Haygate. You what is that recently? Um, yeah. What so, does that even mean? Okay. Haygate is the place I grew up in, in England, right? Mm. And to me, it's home. Mm. It's the only place I've actually felt at home, so I chose to use that on my Instagram because traditionally your Hometown. your surname is the place you the place you come from. So yeah, okay. So, so I chose that one, yeah. Awesome. But um, yeah. So your point is like the track I put out is like just a freestyle. Um, it's not like my music music. This okay. is just a track I put out for like entertainment purposes i've created a whole project that has like meaning and like parts of me and who i am and really complex like themes and stuff like that it's incredible i've heard it (laughs) (laughs) i like it's good this track i'm just like it's talking crap on it pretty much i'm like yeah it's like okay yeah cool this track is more to like tell people hey i'm here yeah Mm. that's it Mm. Did you release that first track now because you are ready to then follow up with other music? Yeah. Is this sort of like your launch? I've created so much music. Yeah. Like, over the past, like, two years, like, I've created, like, insane amounts of music. So, um, I've got about 15 complete songs that I can just put out a track a month for mm. a year coming up and create, like, more Mm. more music like during the process so yeah okay. so, is that what you're gonna do yeah um is that an inside yeah, scoop yeah pretty much I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to put out a track a month and okay. mm. just like build from there I'm I'm gonna put out my more poppy music first um poppy as in like 
The music. ones that get the people's attention. Exactly. And exactly. then you follow up with the stuff that like hard hitting. Yeah, and exactly. meaningful. Because exactly. you've already got the audience and you've already got exactly. the community yeah, around exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is like my playlist to music. Mm. Yeah. So So um what like problems or issues have you come up with while while this whole with this whole process like you've talked about being a perfectionist because that mm. can definitely come in the way that can mm. cause problems yeah. and like you said put a delay up for like a year before you've released this one now yeah what other what other issues have you come up with um being extremely shy i'm a really like introverted person a super mm. introverted person and because i have a speech impediment like going no public speaking is the most terrifying thing a human being can do. But to stand on a stage and perform a song is the most... It's like flying. Mm -hmm. It's like genuinely flying. Um, I performed a few months ago, right? And it's like having the power to like control the movements of a crowd is like... The movement of movements of a crowd is insane. It's mm. a feeling of like euphoria and stuff like mm. that. So that's why a lot of musicians actually get side note. That's mm. why they actually have a lot of drug issues because mm. you're constantly on this massive mm. high and coming mm. down is mm. really really tough. Mm. So they take drugs to try and uh, mm. maintain that high. That's so um, true. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's why they have a lot of issues. That's so true. Ray, can I ask, because you've obviously, you, you've now branched out on your own and, like, you're releasing music and mm. you've started this project which, you know, we hope captures the audience that you're seeking. Mm. I guess as a creative, I guess as anybody who's stepped out on their own, there's a pressure that you put on yourself to do well, but do you feel like, do you, or have you ever felt a sense of pressure from outside influence or outside forces, I should say, to, I guess, um, to do well or, mm. like, to be successful or to, I guess, yeah, I don't know, for this to be something. Like, do you feel like because you're quite present, like, we know that it's you, it's mm. not some unknown person behind mm. these projects, do you mm. feel like, okay, I've got eyes watching me, so this mm. has to work? Mm. In terms of, like, being on my own, um, I think that's really the only way I could probably be happy because honestly, I fundamentally hate having a job and having to do things that I can't see a purpose of. Um, I'm, I've always been the kind of person who's trying to create like my own vision. That's why I like in my early 20s as a teenager, I, I would try this, try that, try yeah. that. Because I always had the drive to like create my own vision of the world. Um, but in terms of pressure, I don't really feel feel pressure to like make anything be this or that way purely because I do really understand what I'm trying to create. The only problem I could say is there's a ton of anxiety around understanding people. Unfortunately, I do not really understand people much because I, I don't really have much empathy. 
It's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like, fundamentally, it's like, I struggle to understand perspectives from like other people. And I think I spend the vast majority of my time paranoid about how people view me and how people can take me and how people are going to take my music and that. So that, that kind of pressure, yes, I do feel, but I have come to, I've come to understand that people are going to think what I tell them to think if I execute oh, okay. it properly. Okay. That's okay, yeah, that's the, interesting. The, yeah. That's the whole, like, structure of being influential. Oh. So, like, yeah. Oh, wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I've never really thought of it like that. Yeah, I know. I always saw, like, people will think what they want to think. Yeah. And... I guess that's true. Like, I mean, the in, being like an influential person or being someone that people look to yeah. is about helping mould what people think. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Do you think your um, as talk about more about the mental health aspect mm-hmm. of like um, this journey? Because you talk, you sort of mentioned it a bit about anxiety mm-hmm. about. Um, about that, those sort of issues. Have mm. you personally faced it? Mm. Um, and how have you overcome it to be where you are now? Mm. I would say um, to be a creative is to be mentally ill. Yeah. Um, to be, to be, to a, be creative. a creative is to be mentally ill. Purely sure because... Hmm? Um, I've heard that before. Yeah, because like... Creative people... The act of like creation is the act of like trying to communicate what they can't com- communicate in words. Mm-hmm. Um, the greatest tracks in all of history are like the most painful points of a person's life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to be a creative is to find a palatable way to express the things that are taboo to talk about. So me personally, I started making music because I, I was sad as hell, bro. Like being at twenty, being twenty three, um, going out on my own, having my own business for two years, and failing, like that took a toll on me. Like mm. I'm not sure if like you. It's like after that, I kind of moved away from the majority of people purely because I understood that I've just I've just experienced a moment of trauma mm. and I have to move past it. See most people don't have the uh, the ability to to um take the, the, the time and think okay I'm in a place where this thing has hurt me, I have to take time out and just mm. breathe. People try and keep on yeah. and people try and medicate it through drugs, alcohol, mm. this, that, blah, 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 and it, it will hurt you, it will take you to a crazy place. But me, I've always been conscious of my mind and instead of doing like 
drugs and alcohol and it's not blah blah blah. I took it to the complete opposite route. I don't drink. Smoke. I bit high bit high bit high barely even party. Mm-hmm. Like every time I see a childhood friend, they're like, Oh, where have you been? For two years straight I've been in front of this computer it created purely because that's how I pass on my trauma, purely. Mm-hmm. Talking about it, producing it, creating it, and turn it, turning it into music. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally believe that my experiences aren't new. Mm-hmm. Many people in the past have experienced much, 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 much worse. Mm-hmm. I'm super privileged. Mm-hmm. And... I believe that the whole like purpose of music is empathy. It's like people hear hear music and they don't think about the person who's making the music. They're thinking about how the music relates to them. And yeah, so pretty much I took my traumas, my struggles, and put it into my music. Yeah. I love that. Um, I just want to change gears a bit yeah, and sure. change to talking about the Instagram. Yeah. Um, that yes, you started. Where are you really from? Yeah. So tell us about. You sort of mentioned it at the beginning as to that's what your what you see your purpose as as been trying to um, create a like a platform for people mm. who um, are maybe immigrants or mm. this is not necessarily where they identify as being from, mm. this being Australia. Yeah. Um, tell us more about that Instagram, where the idea genesis from and where, where you see that going really. Um, in terms of the idea for the platform, the yes but where are you really from? The purpose was to empower people of colour to take a phrase they've heard multiple times and it's hurt them and to kind of gain empowerment from it. Mm, it's like, okay. everybody's heard that. <coughs> I actually heard that in a job interview. Um, yeah, pretty much like the interviewer's like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Down the road? Know, yeah. But yeah, but where are you really from? And I was like, Sierra Leone. And she, she, and she, she, she was like, oh, that's a terrible place. <gasps> I was just like... She did it. Wait, what? And it's like, my experience is common. It, it's, it's really, really common. It's like, plenty of people have experienced that. Plenty, plenty of people experience it constantly in the job place. And it's just like, bro, like, it's just terrible. Me personally, I came to Australia when I was 14, right? Yeah. And it's just like, I used to find Australia hilarious. Because the people here were just so condescending. Like, <laughs> how long were you in England before you came to uh, 10 years. Okay. 10 years. Like, I came here and went to a private college, right? And it's like, the only other black people in the private college were like the charity um, 
it, it's not charity cases, but it was like the people who came here from like war torn countries. Mm. Like and, refugees. Yeah, and they couldn't speak English and they were all like put in this place and treated like animals pretty much, purely because it's a private school and they think, oh yeah, this is a private school, I'm amazing, it's that blah blah blah. These poor poor black people can't even speak English. Mm. Just that. And it's just like the quality of education in Australia compared to the quality of education in England is huge. Um, in what way? In which direction? English schools are much smarter than Australian schools. Um, oh, that's controversial. No, it's true. Maybe, like, I started my equivalent to the HSC when I was like 13. I came to Australia and I'm not trying to be controversial or anything, but the kids around me were kind of slow, purely because like I've had that education from England. Here's like more casual and I think sure the up. opposite about the English education system. Really? Yeah, like teachers go teach there. I don't really hear positive thing about the educational system in England. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I always hear such good things about Australian education system. But, I mean... Yeah, no. I mean, that's your experience. In my experience, it's like, school schooling here is much more casual. It's like really, really, really casual. But, um, you get pretty, pretty much, I came here and I skipped a year. And, um... I was still like, that's my skin in class. Um. <laughs> Maybe it's just you. Maybe no, you no, are no. just Wait. like, actually just a very bright kid. bright kid. But even though most of the time I was the smartest kid in class, everybody spoke to me as if I were genuinely stupid. Mm, okay, Every time I would answer a question correctly, everyone's like, Wait, what? Mm. A smart black person? Like, wait, no. It's like I literally answered all the questions this whole entire <laughs> session. Like, <laughs> Cut your... Yeah, it's, like, it's like, um, I had a crazy experience in high school. There was this kid, like, me and him were, like, kind of competitive about, like, um, our tests, test scores and stuff like that. And I got a high mark in him. And I was like, haha. I'm smarter than you. I think it's like, <laughs> actually pride, not humble. Yeah. He was like, ha ha, but you, but you, but you, he was like, ha ha, but you, you're still black. Oh. And the whole class found that fucking hilarious. Mm. I was just like, wait, it doesn't matter if I'm the smartest person here. Yeah. I'm still below everybody because I'm black. Mm. I was just like, bro, what the? Like, I was just like, wait, what? To be honest, coming to Australia killed my passion for education purely because of the many experiences I had during high school. Yeah. That was insane. I can imagine, like, even like from people who have been, like, for the first time we went to London mm. and having people that look like you mm. around, mm. whether it's school, just walking down the street, whatever, it's not an oddity for somebody, like, the smartest person in the class to be the 
black immigrant mm. because they have a history of that. Mm. And in Australia, it's a very new history. The mm. immigration of um, Africans is a very new history. Yeah. And especially the influx of Africans is very new. So I can see like how that would have really affected and traumatised you, really, to mm. be honest, going from somewhere where it was so normal, so average, mm. um, to be, you know, black and the smartest. Whereas oh, now it's like a rareness. And then also people who are here in this country are still dealing with sort of like coming to terms with the fact that these people, that not these people, that... Um, people are coming to this country with more intelligence mm. and trying to bring you down to or in order to see you as higher. Like, that's very, very, I think, common experience for all, um, yeah, I guess, for all of us, really, being mm. black and educated in this country. Yeah. Like, I wasn't born in this country, but educating in this country, yeah. I think it is a common experience. So, so to, to be honest, I've realised that Australia works to keep people of colour to think they're stupid. Um, I, growing up and becoming of age and being in my mid-twenties, I genuinely have seen like people who were smart in high school, um, talented and creative, like to meet people that I used to hang out in high school and to see them today and that they're struggling, they're homeless, they're mm. unemployed. It's just like, even if, even talking to a person, you realise that this person is convinced that they aren't smart, they aren't anything, they don't have any worth. And that's the scary thing about a casual discrimination of Australia is that they covertly slide it into your mind that you're stupid, you're not going anywhere, just smile about it, it's fine. And it's really, really affecting our community. It really is, because um, I'm like, because I'm coming out more, I'm like meeting people again, I'm like meeting people, I used to grow up around and it's like I totally understand how that person became mm. where they are now because mm. everybody around them their friends their teachers mm. everything assumes because of their skin colour mm. they're probably a criminal yeah. they're probably stupid they're probably this and that and unfortunately we are just humans and we conform to our environment and yeah. plenty of people are conformed to their environment and it's heartbreaking yeah it's i so mean we don't even really need to look much further than what australia did to its indigenous population like mm. honestly the trauma that has been carried out by yeah white australia against indigenous people is ridiculous I can't, yeah. yeah and even like as immigrants who've chosen to this come to come to this country we are it's odd to think that we are actually quite privileged in that respect compared mm. to like being indigenous to this country and you don't have a fallback to yeah. go to. So um, speaking about what you just said, but I'm um, speaking to other, oh, sorry, talking to other young people who have sort of fallen into that trap and believe that where you then um, reach this point of being 
not falling to that and being above that like where do you get your identity from where do you get your point of view from? I would say my mum honestly like my mum is literally the strongest person in history like straight up my earliest memories were a war in my country and my earliest memories was my mum hiding me my mum carrying me across a mountain to a different country and moving to England I grew up in a bad place like okay see it really pisses me off to see people talk talking about Top Boy people are like oh man this is cool bro this is mad this is great like to me Top Boy is like my life like there are parts in Top Boy that I have seen, like, I've actually genuinely seen this shit, like, I grew up in a place where teenagers, like, 12, no, from 10 to, yeah, teen, t- kids as young as 10 murdering each other. Mm-hmm. I have classmates who are in prison for murdering people. And it's just, like, my mum kept me from that. Like, my mum told me, go to school, come on. We came from a poor place, but my mum still made sure that I had everything to grow my mind and that my mind wasn't influenced by the environment around me. So coming to Australia, me becoming a man and creating like my own path here and like failing and getting to a point where I started to believe that I was genuinely stupid my mum gave me the opportunity to take time off um, and she took care of me. She pretty much carried me and gave me the time to heal and gave me the time to express my traumas and do it in a way that is creative and can be spread to other people. Mm-hmm. So I would say the privilege I have is my mum. Mm-hmm. It's like people come over here, they don't have their parents here. I have friends who haven't ever met their parents. It's like, they don't have that. I'm super privileged. So yeah, that's all. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, your journey is an interesting one and Mm. I think it's exciting to see how it's going to play out. Mm. Um, And I think it's important to... I think it's important for us, like people of colour, to make spaces where there are no spaces for us. And unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, Australia doesn't make allowances for that in, in this case, you know, like commercial media. And so if you sit back and you wait for that opportunity to come, you'll be waiting for a while because at the moment, the people who are in those positions to affect change, they're all... They're all white and they're all, um, they've, it's very difficult for them to reckon with an experience that is not their own. Mm. So I think I'm excited for what you're doing and I think it's, it's necessary. And obviously we'll be backing you, supporting you. So plug yourself, Ray, (laughs) give us all your details, your socials. Um, find me on Instagram, that's Ray Haygate. R-E-Y-H-E-Y-G-A-T-E. 
um, buying my other Instagram. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, but where are you really from? And I'm really only concentrating on Instagram all the time being. So that's where I'll be. What if somebody wants to text you or call you? Are you single? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> DM, just slide in the DM. Slide in the DMs. We are very big on encouraging people to slide in the yeah. DMs. But thank you so much for being with us today, Ray. We really appreciate you your time having this conversation. I appreciate um, it. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Tell us your thoughts on these um, on this episode. Let us know if you want us to ask Ray any other questions. If you want to ask him, go straight to the source. Mm. Actually, go to his Instagram, yeah, cool. and we will catch. Oh well, let's cheers to that, Ray. Yeah. Cheers, cheers, we cheers. That. So we cheers hey, at the cheers. end of each episode. So let's cheers. Let's cheers. cheers. We know the hot cups. We know. Anyway, <laughs> but we'll catch you on the next episode of the Champagne Breakfast. Bye. Bye. See ya.